Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hitting the button. If you could go to Apple or wherever you get your podcast, give us a five-star review. Anything will help. If you hate it, then just don't do anything. Because like I said, if you don't have anything nice to say, then keep that shit to yourself. That is a very some very wise words from a very wise woman. Um, so there you go. I wanted to put another episode out because I'd done a a podcast a couple weeks back on Shannon Christian and Chris Newsom. It was a part one of two, and I'd got sidetracked and was all in that Shannon Gilbert Long Island serial killer, and um, I didn't do it. So I'm gonna do it now. Uh, the reason I wanted to do two parts is because the trials in this case were, uh, let's just say different. Well, not that they were different, but some issues with the judge, some issues with some retrials, some issues with appeals, some issue with the new judge. And I, I don't want to get, I just want to really just kind of go over a basic timeline of kind of things that happened don't really have to get too far in a rabbit hole with it because it's pretty cut and dry black and white um which we know on the previous podcast we know that shannon christian chris newsom were carjacked the washington ridge apartment complex they were kidnapped they were taken to the home of lamarcus davidson on chipman street um Inside that home were LaMarcus Davidson, Latavis Cobbins, Eric Boyd, George Thomas, and Vanessa Coleman. Latavis Cobbins, George Thomas, Vanessa Coleman were down visiting from Kentucky because Latavis and LaMarcus are half-brothers. Now, we know from testimony that Eric Boyd, LaMarcus Davidson, and Latavis Cobbins are the three individuals that carjacked and came back with the uh, the victims in this case. Now, George Thomas and Vanessa Coleman were at the home, and their involvement didn't start until after the fact. Now, George Thomas's case had the least amount of evidence of anybody. There was no DNA or no any forensic-type evidence linking him to any of the rape or murder. And he ends up getting more time than Vanessa Coleman, which comes out in court that she had held Shannon in the bathroom while LaMarcus Davidson's girlfriend had come over to pick up the clothes that LaMarcus Davidson was trying to give her that belonged to Shannon Christian. All five of these individuals deserve what they get because with that heinous of a crime, I don't give a shit if George Thomas is over there reading the Bible as it's going down. He did nothing to help, and he helped to facilitate that crime by doing nothing. So, we know that they were on to... The way the case broke down, of course, this is in the last episode, I'll I'll give you a brief overview. Shannon Christian's parents... The cell phone was in their name. They were able to get a hold of that information rather quick. They had seen that her last phone call that came through uh, around 1230 
had pinged over in the Cherry Street Tower area. Now, I'm not quite sure how much of an area that covered. They couldn't precisely pinpoint it, but it was off the Cherry Street Tower. So they put some people into motion quick. I mean, these, this family is amazing. So I'm pretty sure by uh, Sunday night, Monday morning, early, they had found that vehicle, which happened to be two blocks down from LaMarcus Davidson home. As they are going through the vehicle, they find an envelope with the bank statement in it belonging to Shannon Christian. And lo and behold, there is a fingerprint to LaMarcus Davidson on the envelope, which opens the floodgates to this case. Now, what they find in that home is heinous, it's horrible, but I, I, what I, there is no remorse in what they've done. They're, these f- people were animals. And then they just left everything there. I don't know if they were wanting to get caught, if they just didn't care, or if in their mind they they just didn't think anybody would able, be able to place them in in their area or together that quick. But needless to say, tons of evidence was in in the home, and um, it was a pretty really open and shut case on on Lamarcus Davidson. His DNA was found everywhere. Latavis Cobbins' DNA was found on Shannon Christian. And these these rapes and, and torturings were so violent that, that, that Knox County had, had never seen anything like it. They said the rape was so violent that there was a solid hematoma, which I don't want to get into that. Um, this case, or, I mean, it makes me physically ill to even speak of this case. So I want to get through it. Um... A year and three months, and I've just made some notes here, guys, so bear with me. A year and three months after the murders, Knox County District Attorney said he planned to seek the death penalty against the four defendants because the case against Eric Boyd, he was not talking, he was not saying anything, and the rest of them were were singing like a canary. So they were only able to put him on a federal charge of accessory after the fact in connection with uh, the carjacking. Um... So he, he received an 18-year federal uh, sentence in the federal penitentiary. Uh, that was April 4, 2008. Now, July 21, 2009, Knox County Criminal Court Judge Richard Baumgartner cleared the way for prosecutors to use evidence collected at the house where Shannon Christian's body was found. Three days later, a judge denied a motion to dismiss the DNA samples collected at the Chipman Street home. So the trials are ready to roll. So now August the 10th, 2009, Judge Bob Garner ruled jurors would get to hear some of the phone calls that Latavis Cobbin made to relatives following his arrest. These calls include comments he made about DNA and other evidence in the case. They also recorded him discussing his membership in a gang. Sure of it. August that same year, Cobbins was convicted of first-degree murder in the death of Christian and facilitation of murder in connection to the death of Newsom. He was sentenced to life in prison. On October 28th of that year, Davidson was convicted on counts of first-degree murder and first-degree felony murder. He was also found guilty of facilitation of aggravated rape. Davidson was accused of being the ringleader in the Christian Newsom case. He was sentenced to death. Now, December 8th, 2009, George Thomas was found guilty on all counts, including more than a dozen counts of felony murder and two counts of premeditated murder. He was sentenced to life in prison. Now, I say this, the no DNA the least amount of evidence 
pointing to any individual in this case is George Thomas. Now, I'm not trying to cut him any slack whatsoever, but down the road here, you will see why that, that, I'm, that I'm saying this. 2010 of May, Vanessa Coleman was convicted on charges of facilitation of murder, kidnapping, rape and theft of Christian. She was found not guilty on charges related to Newsom. Uh, July the 30th, 2010, Judge Baumgartner sentenced Coleman to 53 years in prison. Now, 2011 rolls around, and in January that year, it is, uh, it's come to people's knowledge that the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations had confirmed that they were investigating Judge Baumgartner, but didn't reveal why. I'll be right back. Toward the end of January, Judge Bob Gardner's attorney released a statement saying the judge was in a healthcare facility receiving medical treatment. February the 2nd of 2011, WVLT News spoke with Bob Gardner's wife, Vicki, at their home in East Knox County. The judge wasn't there at the time, she said, and she has no comment except to say thanks to his supporters and please respect our privacy. Mid-February, TBI agents raided the home of convicted felon Christopher Gibson on Gap Road. Gibson pleaded guilty in 2007 in Baumgartner's court to aggravated assault and reckless endangerment. Reports allege that Baumgartner illegally obtained prescription painkillers from Gibson. WVLT News spoke to a witness who said Baumgartner regularly visited Gibson's home. So they've got him going to a, a known drug dealer's home buying prescription pills. This guy was in his court in front of him. March the 10th, Baumgartner pleaded guilty to official misconduct after evidence confirmed that he illegally obtained prescription painkillers such as Percocet, Hydrocodone, and Oxycodone. According to Special Prosecutor Al Schmilzer, I have a disease, and it's a serious disease, Baumgartner told the courtroom. Judge John Kerry Blackwood gave him a two-year suspended sentence upon completion of a judicial diversion. Now, on December the 1st, Judge Blackwood had taken over for Baumgartner ordered new trials for Cobbins, Davidson, Thomas, and Coleman following a two-hour description of Judge Richard Baumgartner's alleged drug activities citing structural errors in the trial. Now that is a bombshell. With all the crap that these families have went through, going through the trials, and then getting the trials behind them, and then this come up, that the judge is such a piece of shit that these monsters are going to get a new trial it's bullshit but judge blackwood denies the state's appeal to prevent the retrials now what the state had said basically that there was no direct evidence stating that in the trials of cobbins davidson davidson and thomas i'm sorry cobbins and davidson that there was any any reason to suspect of any kind of misconduct as far as with the drug addiction in their cases. He was not slurring his words. He was coherent. So there was no, no one knew of his outside activities. So basically, the state denies that. But Judge Blackwood is not having it. He said the same day he denies the defense a change of venue, but said jurors would not be chosen from Knox County, and he denies the state's appeal to prevent retrials. He set a trial date for Cobbins on August 
the 27th, October 22nd for Thomas, and November 12th for Coleman. Now, it looks that if um, Davidson was the only one at that time that his, thank God, his trial, his trial stood. So there was no retrial for Davidson uh, because of this. The Tennessee Supreme Court overturned Blackwood's decision. Hold on, hold on. I've read that wrong. These names sometimes get twisted up on me. I apologize. I am not a robot. I am a human being, and I just messed up. So, they were set. Blackwood, the Judge Blackwood, had set new trials for all of them. Davidson, Cobbins, Thomas, and Coleman. The Supreme Court, Tennessee Supreme Court, overturned Blackwood's decision for new trials for Davidson, Cobbins, and Thomas because it said the defendants had not known that former Judge Baumgartner's misconduct outside the courtroom impacted their trials. The retrial for Coleman was not challenged as the state conceded Baumgartner seemed disoriented, speech was very slow, he barely read the verdicts, and he was confusing the defendant's name. Well, ain't that special? But this judge is not adhering to the Supreme Court's decision. The District Attorney General's office asked Blackwood to recuse himself before considering whether Cobbins, Davidson, and Thomas would, should get new trials. The willful failure of this court to follow the Tennessee Supreme Court's guidelines indicate this court has lost all semblance of fairness and impartiality, said prosecutors in this motion. June the 6th, Judge Blackwood came out and ordered new retrials for Cobbins, Davidson, and Thomas. Again. Blackwood pointed to the Rule 25, which was cited as well in the Supreme Court decision that allow the successor judge, in this case Blackwood, concludes he or she cannot perform the duties of the original judge because of the failure to preside at the trial for any other reason. Judge Blackwood added that he could not act as the 13th juror in the Christian Newsom case, which is to sign off on the verdicts. Judge Blackwood said he would not quit at a hearing regarding whether he should or should not step down from this case. He said, I intended to be the captain of this ship and to run this ship to the very end. Now, Judge Blackwood also threw out his previous order granting new trials to Cobbins and Davidson. Thank God, finally. And he said he would give the state a second chance to argue Blackwood should recuse himself from the case. Now, Judge Blackwood announced again he would not recuse himself from the case. Christian's dad at the time said Judge Blackwood needs to step down because he's in it for the publicity. Gary Christian said... That judge is on a mission. I don't know if it's a book or a movie or what he's exactly up to. This ain't about a book or a movie. This is about our daughter. At this point, the Newsoms, which is Chris's family, had been in the courtrooms 283 times. That's effing crazy. These families have been through so much. I couldn't even imagine to go through what they went through. That breaks my heart. It is insane. I would rip their fucking heads off if I could get my hands on them. I don't give a shit. The appellate court issued a temporary stay in the retrial of Cobbins, Davidson, and Thomas. The stay followed by an appeal by the state after Judge Blackwood refused to, to refused to recuse himself. So what had happened is Judge Blackwood had come out and said, okay, I'm going to throw out my previous order granting new trials to Cobbins and Davidson. Okay, that's out. All right, now I'm going to give you a second chance to argue that I should recuse myself. Okay, I did that. Oh, I'm not recusing myself. 
Now, we were going to set new trials for Cobbins, Davidson, and Thomas. But the state appellate court had issued a temporary stay, and the stay followed an appeal by the state after Judge Blackwood refused to recuse himself. So finally, they were able to get Judge Blackwood replaced by Judge Walter Kurtz. Kurtz was ordered to oversee the cases of Cobbins, Davidson, and Thomas. Judge Blackwood was still set to provide over Coleman's trial in November. Of the four, only Coleman and Thomas received new trials. Now, a jury convicted Coleman, Vanessa Coleman, on 13 of 17 counts in the murder of Christian. Like in her first trial in 2007, Coleman was found not guilty for crimes connected to Newsom. Now, this time she was sentenced to 35 years in prison. In 2013, Thomas was convicted on all 38 charges in connection with the kidnapping, rape, and murder of Christian and Newsom. Thomas was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences plus 25 years. Christian's father, Gary, told Thomas, you taught me how to hate. Now, December 11, 2014, Coleman was denied parole. She was actually up for parole uh, by 2014. Now, she'll be up for parole again in December of 2020. Now, with it being a death penalty case on LaMarcus Davidson, it had made its way to the Tennessee Supreme Court, which upheld the two death sentences against against, against Davidson. So that's good. Um, now, the only issue with these trials is, you know, throughout this whole time, people knew that Eric Boyd was responsible for a lot of the, the injuries that happened to Newsom. I don't know so much on the on Christian as far as him his involvement inside the home, but we basically know and everybody knows it, that Eric Boyd raped and murdered uh, Chris Newsom but he was it was never able to connect him with it they were they were never able to get him on any of the murder charges until now I'll be right back Now, this whole time that all this garbage has been going on and these families are going through hell, you know, it's 2019. It's And this happened in 2007, 2006. And it, it's, it's absurd to me that right at the beginning, it's absurd to me that uh, this is, these families have had to endure this type of tragedy you know, not only the losing their family members, but in a horrible, heinous, god-awful way. And then on top of that, you've got these fucks that they're able to to obtain, to get new trials because this judge decides he wants to to you know. And I get it. I'm I'm not. I understand addiction. It's it's a terrible thing, and I know it makes good people do stupid stuff. But it's sad that him being in that that position he wouldn't recognize he has an issue maybe get help but thank god through all of this they all come through it they were able to reconvict some of the ones that had been granted new trials and the trials were upheld on on the others now in 2019 june the 27th boyd appeared in court for a status hearing during which his attorney filed a motion to hold the trial at a different venue it was denied now the trial i'm talking about is the murder trial finally for Eric Boyd 
on the Christian Newsom and or I'm sorry, yes, the Christian Newsom case, Shannon Christian, Chris Newsom case. Now Boyd's trial began in August of 2019 with jury selection. The jurors include four white men, one black woman, one black man, one Hispanic woman, five white women, and four alternatives that include three white men and one white woman. Opening statements in the trial were set to begin at 9.30 a.m. Now, we'll play devil's advocate here a bit. I would be pissed if I was my if I was Eric Boyd and that was my attorney. And that's the juror he got me set with. He's fucked. Bottom line. I don't you don't even have to give him any evidence. He Jesus Christ, that's terrible. The trial began with opening statements. Now, here is where it gets kind of tricky. Over the years, I don't know if maybe the family had realized that George Thomas didn't have as big a hand in doing anything, but the Newsom family had been in contact with George Thomas over the years and trying to get him to testify against Eric Boyd because that's the only way they would be able to get him uh, charged with the murders of these two wonderful, beautiful, wonderful kids, these individuals. And you know what? On August the 7th, 2019, convicted killer George Thomas began his testimony. Thomas was cross-examined. Mary Newsom, Dina Newsom, Daphne Sutton, which was LaMarcus Davidson's ex-girlfriend, took the stand. Closing arguments were made. The jury deliberated before being sent home for the day. After more than a week of trial, the jury found Boyd guilty on all counts. Basically, George Thomas was quoted by saying, it's time to do the right thing. And we're thankful that he did. But this case has, has had so many roller coasters up and down. I couldn't even imagine the the just the sheer pain that these families have been through over the last 13, 15 years, whatever it is. It's just terrible. My heart goes out to them. My prayers go out to them. We love them. We're in this community, East Tennessee. It's where we're from. It's, it's a case that hit home for me. But we're thankful that they're in prison. We're thankful that, that justice was done. And we're thankful to the families because without them, this case would not be solved. This case would maybe be a cold case because the Christian family being proactive and getting, I mean, to work quick on cell phone data and finding that vehicle, finding that forerunner is what made this case what it is. It, uh, that is the only reason, in my opinion, that this case is solved today. We love this family. God bless them. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Podcast.